Hello and welcome to the Top Story, a podcast with the headlines of the day from our correspondents around the world. I'm Do Hongyu. Coming up in this edition, Israel and Hamas have agreed to extend their truce by one more day. Former U.S. Secretary of State Henry Kissinger has died at the age of 100. And surveys indicate that 80% of the Maldives' islands will be underwater by 2050. We start from the Middle East. Israel and Hamas have agreed to extend their truce by one more day. The announcement came just minutes before the first extension was due to expire. Mediators are seeking another round of prisoner swaps. Meanwhile, U.S. Secretary of State Antony Blinken is in Tel Aviv to meet Israeli leaders. It's his third trip to the region since the conflict began. Noor Harazin has more in Gaza. The delay of this extension shows that the negotiations are getting more difficult. I mean, at uh, 7 a.m. this morning, the uh, truce was due to expire. However, just five minutes before, at exactly 6.55, both Israel and Hamas announced that they will be extending the truce for one more day on the same conditions. Hamas, from its side, will be releasing six uh, children, two women, and the bodies of three Israelis that were killed in Gaza during the heavy Israeli shelling and airstrikes over the past uh, seven weeks. Medical aid and humanitarian aid will be allowed into the Gaza Strip while we will see the release of 33 Palestinian prisoners from the Israeli jails. Yes, the uh, agreements are getting really harder. It is brokered by Egypt, Qatar and the United States. But the fact that it is extended for only one day, it shows to the people here on the ground that the things are getting more complicated. Maybe Hamas is not able to locate more hostages. Maybe Israel is not responding to the conditions of Hamas of uh, lifting the siege of Gaza and allowing the people in uh, southern Gaza to move back to northern Gaza. So no one actually knows what is really happening between that closed doors. However, people are hopeful, but at the same time here on the ground, we're seeing them preparing themselves uh, for the worst. That was Noor Harrison reporting. Now for more about the situation on the ground, we go to Jung Sung-woo, who's in the Israeli city of Sterot. The truce has been extended to a seventh day, which means another 24 hours. And both Israel and Palestine will continue to release hostages and prisoners. And it is said that 30 Palestinian women and children were released earlier on Thursday morning. And... Eight Israeli hostages, as our correspondent said, that will be released on Thursday. But according to announcement released by the Prime Minister's office last night, that Israeli Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu had set three goals at the beginning of the conflict, including eliminating Hamas, ensuring that Gaza will not return to what it was, being a threat to Israel, and bringing all the hostages back. Uh, these goals still stand despite the truth. That was Zheng Songwu reporting. Chinese President Xi Jinping has reiterated that the only viable way to settle the Palestinian question lies in establishing an independent Palestinian state that enjoys full sovereignty on the basis of the 1967 borders with East Jerusalem as the capital. He made the remarks while extending congratulations to a UN meeting to commemorate the International Day of Solidarity with the Palestinian people. 
the president said the crux of the Palestinian-Israeli conflict lies in the long-overdue realization of the Palestinian people's legitimate national right to establish an independent state. He suggested that peace talks should be restarted, and the Palestinian people's right to statehood and survival and their right of return should be restored. He called for urgent actions to address the conflict, urging efforts to facilitate a ceasefire, ensure the safety of civilians, increase development assistance and humanitarian aid, and stop the humanitarian disaster. Chinese Foreign Minister Wang Yi has stressed that resorting to military means is definitely not the way to resolve the crisis in the Gaza Strip. Addressing the UN Security Council on Wednesday, Wang said violence will only exacerbate hatred and confrontation and lead to what he called a ceaseless, vicious cycle. Jody Jacobs has more from the United Nations in New York. Wang Yi is presiding over a high-level interministerial session of the Security Council here in New York, the same day the United Nations commemorates the International Day of Solidarity with the people of Palestine. Several foreign ministers from member states have joined Wednesday's meeting to discuss the fighting between Israel and Hamas. Wang Yi says that the world is standing at the crossroads of war and peace and has called on the international community to take more active steps to save lives and restore peace. Fairness and justice on the Palestinian question lies in a two-state solution. This is irreplaceable. Only the truth, the true and comprehensive implementation of the two-state solution can restore peace to the Middle East to realize peaceful coexistence between the two states of Palestine and Israel and achieve common development of the Arabs and Jews. China calls for ramping up international and regional diplomatic efforts, reshaping credible multilateral processes. The UN Secretary-General Antonio Guterres has told the Council that while he welcomes the current fragile ceasefire between Israel and Hamas, its full implementation is not enough. The people of Gaza are in the midst of an epic humanitarian catastrophe before the eyes of the world. We must not look away. Intense negotiations are taking place to prolong the truce which we strongly welcome, but we believe we need a true humanitarian ceasefire. And we must ensure the people of the region finally have a horizon of hope. Palestine's foreign minister has called on the Security Council to act decisively before all of Gaza is destroyed. He says the current conflict will not lead to peace. Isn't it time we found a way to live side by side? We don't even need to search that hard for that way. It is enshrined in international law and the relevant UN resolutions, the fulfillment of the Palestinian people's inalienable rights and two states living side by side in peace and security on the pre-1967 borders. Israel has again lambasted the United Nations and certain council members of not condemning Hamas, which killed 1,200 people during the October 7th attack. Israel says peace can only be achieved if Hamas is eliminated. This war can end tomorrow, even today, if Hamas returns all of the hostages and turn in all the terrorists who took part in the massacre. A real ceasefire can be achieved that will last decades. Demand this of Hamas. This is the solution. The time has come for this council to fully, truly focus on its mandate, security. Several members of the Security Council have welcomed the current truce and humanitarian ceasefire. Many have cautioned that if decisive action isn't taken soon, 
the fighting will continue and many more lives will be lost. That was Jody Jacobs reporting. The Chinese foreign minister also said China will provide a new batch of emergency humanitarian supplies to the Gaza Strip. Also on Wednesday, China provided $1 million U.S. million in cash to the UN Relief and Works Agency for Palestine Refugees to alleviate the humanitarian situation in Gaza. Now we turn to the U.S. Former U.S. Secretary of State Henry Kissinger has died at his home in Connecticut at the age of 100. Chinese President Xi Jinping has sent his condolences to U.S. President Joe Biden over Kissinger's passing. As a key contributor to the normalization of China-U.S. ties, Kissinger paid more than 100 visits to China with the last trip made in July this year. Eddie Stiansang has a review of Kissinger's life and career. This is a major story given that uh, Henry Kissinger is known uh, to be one of the country's most important foreign policy thinkers uh, for more than half a century. You know, in his prime years, he worked as a Secretary of State and a National Security Advisor to Presidents uh, Richard Nixon, President uh, Gerald Ford. Uh, he played a major role uh, even behind the scenes, as some would say, in building relations uh, back in the days, uh, both with the Soviet Union as well as major Arab nations and China. Uh, so he was really uh, the architect of this uh, global uh, diplomacy, uh, one could say. When he uh, took the role uh, of one of the highest foreign diplomats in the U.S. government, uh, he played really a major role that shaped uh, the current world events. Um, we know that, for example, working under President Nixon, um, he was the visionary behind uh, organizing his trip uh, to China. Um, it was considered one of the boldest periods of diplomacy in the U.S. history. That was Eddie Stiansong looking back on the life of U.S. foreign policy veteran Henry Kissinger, who just passed away at the age of 100. Moving on to Asia, many surveys have indicated that 80% of the Maldives islands will be underwater by 2050. At the COP27 summit last year, the island nation stressed the need for financial support for countries particularly vulnerable to rising sea levels. But the UN's loss and damage fund is not yet operational. Many say it'll be top of the mind for the Moldavian delegation as COP28 gets underway in Dubai. Radhika Bajaj reports. There's trouble in paradise. And Hussein Bebe Ahmed has been highlighting it for over 15 years. A resident of Vilingali Island, barely a 10-minute ferry ride from capital Mali, Hussein says land reclamation for development has cost his pristine home dearly over the past decade. I say it's a virgin island at that time. So there was no impact. You just swim from here like five feet into the water, you, there will be corals until the reef edge, like 80-90% of coral cover were there. But after all this development came, it went, the whole reef was gone, actually. About 1,200 islands make up the country of Maldives. Less than 200 are inhabited. Infrastructure to connect islands is key to decentralizing governance and providing the best of health care and education to the citizens. Housing is also being built on reclaimed land to decompress the population density in capital Mali, where home rentals are near unaffordable. 
For economic progress to take place, infrastructure development has to happen. But in a country like the Maldives, that can sometimes come with an irreversible cost to the environment. That, coupled with the effects of climate change, is proving to be a double whammy for this island nation. 40% of Maldives' GDP comes from tourism and fisheries. With shorelines being breached, coral reefs getting bleached, and marine life getting affected by higher sea temperatures, both these industries are at high risk. Experts say the challenges confronting the country are more expensive than the income generated by its inland revenues. Maldives is 99% ocean and that's where its assets and resources lie. As the climate emergency unfolds, the hope is that at COP28, the urgency of the situation will be recognized and acted upon. Because a political consensus may be encouraging, but experts say it doesn't matter if the loss and damage fund isn't deployed towards countries literally sinking thanks to climate change. That was Radhika Bajaj reporting. Finally, in Africa, escalating violence in the Democratic Republic of the Congo has led to another increase in displacement. The United Nations says nearly half a million people have been forced to flee their homes over the past six weeks due to fighting between government forces and M23 rebels in the country seized. It comes just weeks before presidential election. Chris Okamringa has more from Kinshasa. A humanitarian crisis with no end in sight. Thousands of displaced people in the east of the Democratic Republic of Congo living in crowded camps with poor sanitation facilities. They fled fighting between Congolese forces and the M23 rebels in North Kivu province. The fighting is the latest episode in a much longer conflict that dates back to the 1990s. The head of the UN Refugee Agency is now calling on the world to do more to stop the violence. Since the violence has erupted, in Eastern DRC, between 10 and 12 million people have perished, have died. So how many millions do we want to see dying before we believe that this should come to an end? I am calling for the end of this right away for the sake of humanity. The warring parties have, however, continued fighting. A ceasefire deal brokered by leaders from the East African community earlier this year collapsed after fighting returned in October. The M23 rebels accused the DRC government of marginalizing the minority Tutsi ethnic group in Eastern DRC and failing to honor a peace deal signed in 2013. The violence has displaced more than a million people who will not be able to vote in the elections scheduled for December 20th. Some opposition activists have blamed the DRC president for the escalation. But President Felix Chisekedi has promised to put an end to the violence in eastern DRC. UN experts and the DRC government have blamed Rwanda for backing the M23 rebels, a charge that Rwanda has denied. That was Chris Okamringa reporting. Before we go, here's a recap of today's top stories. Israel and Hamas have agreed to extend their truce by one more day. Former U.S. Secretary of State Henry Kissinger has died at the age of 100. And surveys indicate that 80% of the Maldives islands will be underwater by 2050. That's it for this edition of The Top Story, a podcast that brings you world headlines every weekday. 
For more news in politics, business, sports, and culture, you can subscribe to the Beijing Hour, a one-hour podcast news magazine program. We welcome and appreciate all ratings and reviews. I'm Do Hongyu. Thank you for listening.